Yuan, probably the most structured runner I know. I equate Yuan's running structure to the fact that he's a scientist, and he gets a kick out of that I call him a scientist. Like, don't you get the picture in your head of a guy with frantic eyes, crazy hair standing upright on its ends, probably from one too many electric shocks, wearing a white lab coat and a scattered all over the place persona? Okay, maybe that's actually just Doc from Back to the Future. But Yuan, he's actually quite the opposite, I'd say. If you already know Yuan, then you know he's structured, a rule follower, even-tempered, consistent, and, well, a solid human being, really. I think I've mentioned before that I have had many different resources through the years that I've relied on for running advice. Of the people you've encountered on this podcast so far, Rasmus and Andreas are in the fear not, you'll be fine whatever you do category. Johanna, she's like, that's crazy, but fun. Can I join you? Sarah, that sounds awful, but you'll be okay and I'll help you if you need me to. So what about Yuan? Well, here's an example. I once asked Yuan, why don't I get faster? I do this and this and this, but it just doesn't seem to help. Yuan responded by asking me what my most recent 5km race time was and gave me a track workout with exactly what split times I needed to have per lap. I'm a run-by-feel kind of person, but Yuan is one of the runners who's taught me that more is not necessarily more. If you want to improve some aspect of your running, you must practice in a more specific way. And Yuan really masters this. He has a running plan that he follows diligently, year after year, and the results are there to show it. I've rarely heard Yuan complain about low motivation or bad runs, and the few times he has, I actually specifically remember. In wanting to interview Yuan, I want to dig deeper into what it is that drives him, keeping him so consistent and on track year after year. Yuan is one of the kindest people I know. When I've aired insecurities or issues of mine to Yuan, he's lent a supportive ear, showing both empathy, but also always a reasonable and rational point of view. He's genuinely so well regarded because he is so authentic. He's a lot of fun, also. Yuan on the dance floor until the late hours of the night is a force to be reckoned with. This is, of course, after he's done his long run for the weekend. This episode so far is probably the one most purely about just running, but I think those of you who have listened so far are probably the right target group for that. My goal with this podcast is really to just shine the spotlight on so many of the people around me that have inspired me and continue to inspire me. I've also found that sometimes revolving the podcast episodes around a specific event or happening sets a basis for a nice conversation. So today you'll be hearing a good deal about UTMB's Kulamanen race, which takes place about a week from today. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, Yuan. Uh, it's a little bit out of character to sit here with you on a Saturday afternoon. As one of the most disciplined runners I know, you run your long runs almost every Saturday, right? True, yeah. Have you been out running today? I have not, but it's uh, any any normal Saturday, I, I would probably be out running now or 
just returning from a run. But uh, it's uh, uh, Taper Weeks, Kulamanen Long Ultra Race is up next weekend. So uh, uh, this this uh, weekend is more open for doing other stuff. Okay, so tell us about some of your last week's training blocks leading up to Kulamanen. Ooh, um, I've just finished uh, a condensed block, actually. I normally, the past couple of years, I've tried to have longer blocks leading up to uh, sort of A-type goal races like Kulamanen. Uh, but uh, we moved this, uh, this summer. So uh, I had to condense everything down to uh, like a four or five week block, basically uh, only. So it's been a, a consecutive number of weeks with high volume, uh, with one week being the sort of max peak week, uh, which was actually uh, last week. Uh, I would have pre- preferred to have it uh, uh, the week before that. But um, yeah, so uh, a, a big chunk of, of, uh, of volume. Okay. Uh, especially for these ultra races. That's, that's how I typically do it. And so what is high volume for you? For me, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good point because it's good actually to, to, uh, to talk about that you run high volume because it is very, very relative. High volume for me is um, around uh, 100 kilometers a week up to the max week, which was 160 kilometers but for, for other runners, that's uh, extremely high. But for, for some run- runners, that's like a base uh, volume for, for uh, you know, uh, much, much longer period of times. Yes. In my entire running career, I've done 100K weeks twice. Yeah. And I remember at the time, it wasn't really that challenging as long as I got a really long run in the beginning of the week mm-hmm. and then kept up with it throughout the week. But nowadays, I mean, I struggle to even get 50 and I can't even fathom doing 100 right now. So it is definitely a lot of running in one week. But if you plan it right, I guess it's it's doable. And I'm impressed with with people that uh, do, uh, uh, you know, uh, 150 kilometers uh, per week for for weeks at the end, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So you are running 100 miles at Kulamanen. I am, yeah. And how many times have you run the 100 miler there? Uh, at Kulamanen, this will be my fourth um, 100 miler with, uh, with Kulamanen. Um, and I've done, um, I've done actually one 100 miler before that uh, at Shaunapan, uh, which was my first. That's so, right. Um, yeah, this is my fourth Kulamanen for, for the 100 mile distance. Okay, and uh, what is the prize that you get when you run 100 miles at Kulamanen? Uh, ah, the price. Yeah, you you get uh, you get a ring. Uh, one of these. Uh, it's not like a Super Bowl price ring, but it's you know, it's leaning towards one of those type rings. A big fat ring with uh, uh, a deadhead skull uh, uh, on top of it. Yeah. And have you ever worn them? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I worn them for the post race photo. Okay, but still a great honor to get those, I guess. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about the race itself? Like, what is Kulamanen? What are the distances? Uh, I'm not one of the uh, experts on it, but I did listen to um, Pachögen, who is one of the founders. Uh, He was on a podcast with Pace on Earth um, that just came out the other week that I listened to. It's Pachögen and uh, Ulf... uh, Man, I think, or yeah, and and 
one other guy that they they started Kuleman uh, a number of years ago, and it started as a grass grassroots root, uh, race uh, with a short distance, um, and they uh, they've then added so they have many different distances they built up during a couple of years they built up so that they in the end had a, an ultra race that was 65 66 kilometers and then um, and then uh, eventually they ended up having also um, uh, 100 miles and these days they have um, i think 20 kilometers 50 kilometers 100 kilometers and 100 miles so right. so it's a it's one of the biggest uh, uh, ultra trail uh, running races uh, if you collectively think of all the races that they have uh, in Sweden. Right. Mm. Yes, because when I interviewed Andreas a couple of months ago, we were talking about that Kulaman in, in the past, it probably still is, it was one of the qualifying races for Western states even, right? It it was, yeah. Uh, I don't know for how many years it was has been that, but for uh, for the hundred milers has been a Western state qualifier for quite some years, yeah. And we're t- we're talking like I don't know four or five years at least, yeah. Okay, mm. so I've run the short or not the shortest because the shortest is twenty, but the fifty plus, yeah. and it's up in Kula Bay, and mm. it's a beautiful um, course going through Mölle. I think when I ran it, we started in Engelholm and ran down to Mölle and then up to Kula Bay again. Mm. But I know that because it's a nature reserve, they've had some issues yeah. with getting permits and things like that. Mm. So not all of the legs of the race are going through the Kula Bay. Yeah. But um, how does the 100-mile race look this year? Is it the same? <laughs> it's, I laugh because they've changed the 100-mile the race. Uh, for every year I've done it, it's been a different I mean, different um, variant or a variation of the course. Okay. So... When I did it the first time, it was what I would consider the classical 100 mile for Kulabai, at least in my opinion. So then you started in Båstad and you ran along the coast through following Bjerre and Peninsula uh, through Torekov and eventually to Engelholm and, mm-hmm. and out to Kulabai. And then um, you actually did almost four loops on Kulabai. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you have had your drop bag in, uh, in Mölle where you could pass, you passed that three times. So, and, but since then they've then uh, changed it, um, um, and one of the key things is that they've been having problems with having the permit to actually do so many laps out at Kulabai. Right. Yeah. So uh, last year, for instance, it was just one lap at Kulabai. This year, um, they have two laps at Kulabai, but they switched it around, so you actually start. Uh, south of Kulabai in Höganäs mm-hmm. and you run up to Kulabai and you do two two loops around that peninsula and then you continue um, the classical route if you will uh, right. but the opposite direction uh, and finish in Båstad So after mm. the first lap you go back down to Mölle? After the first lap you go to Mölle yeah, and then you do a, a second lap Okay. Uh, and you come into Mölle and then from Mölle you cross over to Arild, uh, which is on the north side, and, right. and uh, continue to Engelholm. Yeah. And again, this is just the 100 miler, because from what I understand, the 100k is not going into Kula Bay at I, all. I don't think, no. I think it's just crossing mm. through. And as I understand, they've one of the reasons uh, that they managed to get two laps on Kula Bay for the 100 mile this year 
is that uh, for their permits, um, it's Lansdales, and I think that uh, that this approves these, and I mean that are the hurdle for them. Uh, they count, you know, number of runners out at Kulabai. So they've basically switched, you know, one uh, a lot of runners that were running the 100k before that went through Kulabai. Now they cut that. So they could add more loops for right. the 100 milers going okay. on Kulabai. So they're switching it around a little bit. Okay. So we've actually been chatting a little bit about the logistics because I decided I'm going to be a sweeper. Yeah. yeah and I'll be, um, I'll be starting yeah. in Merlet and doing the loop around uh, Kulabai, which yeah. is 20 kilometers. So when the last runner comes to Merlet, I will follow the last runner, mm. make sure no one gets left behind, Mm-mm. you know, just be a sweeper. Yeah. And um, I'm really excited about the fact that the faster 100-miler runners will probably, well, will definitely pass me as they're on their second loop and I'm following the last runner on their first loop. So I wrote to you to ask you, you know, what are your goals? Are you thinking top 10? (laughs) 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 And you said to me, oh, I'm not that strong on 100-milers, Annalise. And I thought, well, first of all, just doing a 100-miler is crazy strong. But I know what you mean because I I looked at the field and I think that there are quite some really fast runners in yeah. in, in the field this year. Um, the last two years, especially since uh, since they became like an official uh, qualifying race, a direct qualifying race to uh, to uh, UTMB, right? And that has attracted uh, more international runners. They have way many more international runners that they had before, and uh, also I think. Um, um, that uh, that uh, the level of the runners. I mean, there's more uh, strong runners, right? Mm. And um, do you have any kind of goal this year? Is it just a time goal, or I, actually, I, I mean, I if you had asked me um, uh, right after uh, I signed up, which was right after last <laughs> year's edition, actually. Then I had a very specific goal that I wanted a time goal. I wanted to, to, um, uh, to, to do a, a time that I was happy with. Um, I had had two races there where um, um, uh, one of them I, I did the first part of the race um, uh, very well for my own standards and what, I was very happy with that. But then I... Uh, I finished very poor. I mean, I really uh, blew up and uh, had, had struggled. And then the race after the year after that, it was the opposite. I uh, I struggled earlier in the race, but I finished strong. Right. So I wanted to for this year uh, to uh, take the best out of those races to uh, be able to pull it together uh, in the beginning, but all the way through to the end and have a strong race the whole the whole race around. Um, but um, um, after um, moving and everything, I had to sort of um, uh, realign my goals a little bit. So, so now I'm I'm more just uh, looking forward to the race, mm-hmm. and uh, I've just said that I don't have any time goals actually. So I'm going to finish and have uh, uh, hopefully have a good journey the whole way, but not uh, push to get uh, at a specific time actually. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this might be a very difficult question, but I have to admit, I I can't even imagine running 100 miles, but there is something about it that intrigues me. Yeah. 
I was the exact same before <laughs> I did it the first time. Yeah. And I, as you know, I've done maximum 100K just once and 90K I did once. And to me, that was like, I think that's been my upper limit really so far. Mm. Like 50 miles I've done a couple of times and I think I would dare to do it again. I'm still shying away even from 100. Yeah. How significant is that step from 100 to 160 kilometers? Mm. I think it's very individual. Uh, uh, I think in in your mind uh, it's it's a big step because uh, it it feels like uh, such a, a, a huge uh, extra chunk of uh, of uh, of distance that you have left after say 100 k, mm -hmm. which is really really long. As it, it is, is. <laughs> it is long. Yeah, it is long. Um, but. Uh, But then uh, there are some aspects of it that it's because uh, 100k is also a, a very long race. So you've already entered into this uh, where you know getting food in and you know the mental game is uh, is is a big factor. And you know it's it's a lot of other aspects uh, than pure running, as when we're talking doing 10k's or half marathons or marathons. Right. So so in in one way. Uh, 100 miles uh, as opposed to 100k is just a, some more you know more of the same right so it's really really tough at the end of a a, a 10k or a 100 100k sorry but uh, and you might feel miserable for you know a period of time and you you will have to expect to then just extend that you know it's more of that uh, uh, struggling and pushing and so forth but i mean if you If you do uh, any distance, I think uh, at the end of that distance, when you when you're finished, I mean, for a race, you have a set distance. You feel that okay, this is uh, I've I've done uh, and given what I've had, you know. Um, but if you if you um, if you uh, if you start a longer race, you will feel sort of the same at the end of that longer race. Yeah. Just the same as if you go the opposite direction. If you finish like a 50k or a Uh, 50 mile instead of a, a, a 100k at the end of that you don't really feel that uh, oh now i can it would be easy to run up to uh, you know uh, that extra uh, distance to get to, to 100k so so uh, yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense to me because that is when you realize how strong the mental role plays when you're running because i know that if i've set myself out to run 20k Sometimes the last 2K are brutal. Exactly. But if I decide to run 50K, I'm not tired until I get to 45. Exactly. That's just um, exactly my point. Yeah. So with that said, have you never been intrigued to run further than 100 miles? I have. Yeah. Um, so what's stopping you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good question. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that some, someday I probably will do it. I mean, it. I would like to have it be a, a nice race that have some other aspects of just having the distance. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 But I think these um, these Transconia races, for instance, they uh, mostly because they have a lot of local history, if you right. will, a local tradition here, uh, uh, as far as races go. Those could be. Uh, Could be interesting running across uh, Skåne yeah. and back almost. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I when you watch those, you just think, "Wow!" I mm. mean, 
I should be able to do that, but I have this fear of even considering trying yeah, yeah. something like that. But I think it's just so incredible. So, well, back to UTMB a little bit. Um, a few years ago, UTMB was acquired by Ironman, and that created mm. some upset in the trail community. Yeah. And uh, with the most recent news of UTMB, Ironman taking over the Whistler t- trail races in you know what people are saying was a pretty obtrusive way, and also the fact that you are soon to run a UTMB mm. race next week. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I also have... Uh, I had mixed feelings about... Uh, uh, well, not really mixed feelings. When Iron Man went in and, and uh, partnered with UTMB, uh, I just thought that felt a little bit uh, uh, unfortunate. Uh, but... Uh, more, more on a you know principle, you know for principles uh, so to speak. Uh, Ironman being such a big player and very commercial, uh, UTMB has always been towards that. I mean, leaning towards that compared to m- many other races. So maybe it wasn't super surprising that they they became partners. So uh, and um, but more locally anchored than uh, I mean than. Like I said, Kulamanen became one of these uh, by UTMB races right. two years ago, and that I had mixed feelings about mm-hmm. uh, because I, I thought it was. I mean, it's exciting to have uh, these aspects of, uh, of uh, attracting you know more international runners. It's uh, even more of a spectacle than uh, you know it right. was before. Yes. Although Kulamanen has has been one one race to be known for having you know putting on a show even before they were UTMB. Um, yeah, so um, I think actually listening to um, uh, Per Sjögren, uh, the race director for Kullamannen, he got uh, a lot of these questions um, uh, regarding UTMB in that latest podcast uh, from Pace on Earth. And, um, you know, going into... Uh, listening to that, it makes a lot of sense what he's saying. So I can I can totally see that uh, uh, they also f- felt that it was, you know, like an ex- exciting opportunity, mm-hmm. and you know, they were at some crossroads to uh, how are they going to continue and and uh, you know develop uh, Kula, the Kulaman and the race and so forth. But uh, uh, yeah, so a, a little bit of mixed feelings. Yeah, well, and then the downside is we have these wonderful community races like Sharnatparen mm-hmm. that become, you know, too big for, you know, the organizers to feel that they want yeah. to continue with yeah, it. Yeah. I don't really know what the real background is behind um, Lars Hector deciding not to continue with Sharnatparen, no, at no. least until further notice. But suppose a bigger player had come in and said, hey, you know, we can fund this and yeah. help you to organize it. Yeah. Of course, that could have caused some upset in the community it because could. it's such a beloved, like yeah, local yeah. trail race. So it's yeah, it's a it's a two edged sword there in uh, in one way because uh, I, I think also the people behind Kulaman and they I mean they have regular jobs and stuff. Uh, so I mean they doing they're doing it. Uh, it's a, <laughs> a big commitment uh, and they've done it for many years uh, right. already. So uh, maybe for them and this was uh, one way of of uh, being able to continue right yeah i don't really know um i know that a lot of these are kind of grassroots movements that come up from just a passionate trail runner Mm. i mean we even have friends in the north that organize their own race and oftentimes things start like that and then they grow and then they become you know 
really great trail races, but sometimes they just are difficult to continue mm. to organize. Speaking of Shaanapan, like you said, I mean, Shaanapan was one of my, or has been one of my, uh, you know, for, for years there, uh, favorite uh, trail races. And uh, I mean, one of the things that uh, I love about it, and I know that uh, many others appreciate too, is that it is such a community, um, you know, based uh, race where, you know, it's, locally anchored and uh, it's uh, all the, the 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 village comes together the small mm-hmm. village where it's uh, taking yes. place comes together and helps uh, out you know yeah it is and i think i don't know if it's just i i know that it's more than just me but i think for many it's also been kind of a lot of people's gateway into ultra running mm. because because of the atmosphere and the reputation that it has mm. and everyone wants to run Sharnapadam because people talk so well about yeah. it. And I mean, I will really miss it this year. But I just hope that they'll decide next year that they want to bring it back. Mm. Um, yeah, so going back to the Whistler races, you had talked a little bit earlier about Gary Robbins and that you follow him because he was one of the um, few trail runners that had almost finished Barkley Marathons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gary, uh, Gary Robbins. Yeah, I mean, speak. I mean that that whole that whole um, uh, situation with his race. I mean, he has he had a race at uh, Whistler in Canada, and the Whistler Alpine Meadows, mm-hmm. and he had been doing that for for a number of years, and uh, just recently, uh, they had lost last edition was uh, two thousand and twenty two. And this year they they didn't um, they cancelled the race. Uh, it's um, been a September race uh, throughout the year, so it's a particular weekend in September. And uh, uh, and just the other day, the last week, uh, Gary announced that uh, the reasons behind it being cancelled was that uh, he, they felt that they were obstructed by um, by uh, people giving permits and the local. Uh, Vale uh, Resort right. uh, company, I think, um, and then they they just um, announced uh, last week that uh, there's a new race uh, called Whistler Ultra Trail or whatever that is a by UTMB race. Then right, that's uh, you know that particular weekend, and I mean they've come in and you know, and he of course uh, rightfully felt completely robbed and uh, and sort of run over by. Uh, by um by by uh this utmb uh, right so and he had opened up for discussions with them not very long ago i think just because he wanted to hear them out i i read his um statement yeah i mean all my information is just from his blog so yeah i i I, uh, a waiver i mean i haven't uh i don't i don't know any any of the (laughs) no but i i thought it was interesting because yeah i read his statement and Mm. one of the things that he said is that he wouldn't hold it against any runners who choose to run utmb races and i think just going back to what you said i mean this whole dilemma does kind of put people in a tricky situation Mm. because you know, I loved Kulamannen, mm. and I don't want to feel guilty running a race like that because I'm supporting something that so many people mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. kind of become against. But I think that, you know, you could say in some way that there's kind of space for both because what you get is something much, you know, more spectacular, bigger, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as the charming smaller races that you get. But mm-hmm. I think that I like that he made that statement that 
he won't hold it against runners because he also understands the appeal mm-hmm. that these races have. He just felt that it was like a really bad move of yeah. them to organize it on the same weekend that he's always done his race. Yeah, there. I mean, behind the or between the lines, you, I mean, the, the message that's uh, presented is basically that uh, some someone uh, in the Vale Whistler uh, organization sort of uh, uh, maneuvered out uh, his local race right. uh, by just obstructing and then just. Uh, uh, saying no without saying no, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and then wanting to partner with someone that uh, brought in uh, this by UTMB. Uh, I mean, Gary says himself that he had been contacted by um, UTMB, uh, the organization, to to have a partnership. I don't think about that race, but some other races that they had, and that didn't pan out. Oh, uh, so that's the not, one that he was talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yes. So, so um, yeah. But it's uh, it's probably going to be. It feels like it's going to be a big backlash for uh, uh, that race they announced uh, on uh, Instagram. They have an account. I just went in and looked, and they they had they made their post like two days ago f- today, announcing this big new race. You know, and there's a uh, I don't know seven hundred over seven hundred comments, and they're all. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> very negative okay. like oh we're gonna boycott it blah 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 I think so so I, I yeah we'll see what happens yes. it feels like there's gonna be a big backlash from it yeah, yeah. and some actually very prominent uh, ultra runners American ultra runners have also gone out you know and uh, sort of uh, uh, standing behind uh, Gary then and right in, in, in this uh, you know def- in defiance a little bit against the uh, right yeah, I mean, I think it's just interesting because you don't really see it happening with marathons, for example. Mm. It's really so much because of what the trail community yeah, stands it for. It is a little bit different, yeah. So, um, so despite you yeah. being a very strong <laughs> runner, I think you're also very humble. And I know that, you know, you felt a little bit, well, not shy, but like, oh, when I asked you if you... Um, if I could interview you, because maybe, you know, blowing your horn is not really your way about doing things. But I do want to say that something has always, that has always really amazed me about your running abilities is that you really seem to master every distance that you go for. Even if you say you're not necessarily fast on 100 miles, you still run 100 milers in a very stable way. You have 10 kilometers under 34 minutes? No, be nice though <laughs> <laughs> under 35 minutes i i have an official uh, just above 35 but then an unofficial uh, because one of my goals had been uh, to to be under 35 for 10k actually okay so we i have an unofficial one just below 35 yeah okay yeah. <laughs> so um I know you run for the passion of running. You love yeah. being out on the trails. It's not like times are the only things you're chasing, but you are also very goal oriented. Oh yeah. So, is there a time now? You maybe you just said it, but is there any time or distance that you are going for that you haven't really managed to get yet? Mm. Yeah, it's true that uh, I mean, uh, sometimes it feels like runners they either take uh, you know the road running, uh, you know. Uh, way or they take the trail running or ultra way and that uh, uh, you know you're either or right yeah but there of course there are others uh, besides me that like doing both but mm-hmm. i really do enjoy doing doing both i mean i love running uh fast 10k i mean i uh, 
uh, and but I also love doing a relatively slow paced than a hundred miler uh, in Schönap in uh, <laughs> in December when we did that you know in, so um, I have I have some uh, I have some uh, you know very specific narrow goals that I'm still haven't given up on and uh, one is the 10k for instance to get an official race time below 35 minutes okay which is uh, uh, for me when I started running uh, 10 years ago or a little bit more than that now uh, that was something that uh, you know it was just unfathomable for for me to imagine doing that but now it's uh, uh, actually it's uh, it's been very close and more within a grasp so to speak right and you mentioned trail versus asphalt because Mm. that's also something that you know from when i started to get to know you there were people that i could see that were very fast asphalt runners but maybe not necessarily as fast on trail or the other way around and yet i would go to races and you'd still be you know top five on yift or on different trail races maybe even i'm not sure even higher ranked like have you ever won yift for example no 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 but still in the top 10 in many trail mm, races yeah. local often trail coming, racing, at least yeah, yes yeah, yeah. and um and still also being fast on asphalt yeah. and that was always a bit intriguing because i i had this idea that normally people are kind of good at one or the other yeah. because i think trail also comes a little bit more naturally to some people and then of course practice because um you can get better at it. But, you know, when I first started trail running, I always fell. Yeah. Now I still fall, but not as often. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Everyone falls when they do trail running. No, but I, I, I think, I mean, it's, um, you, you, get, uh, you get good at what you do, right? So it's natural that they, if, if some people uh, uh, really have a preference for doing asphalt or road running, uh, they get good at that. And uh, if they don't ever go run on the trails, when they do, uh, they're going to struggle. And right. uh, and uh, and the opposite, right? Uh, and then people that uh, do both, they can uh, do fairly well on both. Mm-hmm. But, but maybe it's true that to be your best uh, road runner uh, that you can be, uh, maybe you have to uh, you know put a focus on that for a, at least a time. Right. Uh, and then. Uh, then you want to be uh, the best trail runner that you can be and you perhaps have to put a bit focus on that so right i like i like actually uh, s- switching my uh, running goals a little bit so i've i've had uh, years where i s- focus a little bit more on uh, you know half marathon marathon or 10k and mm-hmm. then other years where i focus more on the uh, ultra races and the trail races so, right mm. And then also, I know that you had a marathon goal this year. It yeah. didn't go as you hoped, no. but you still have a marathon <laughs> this goal. Year this year was actually supposed to be one of these, uh, uh, going into this season, I mean, uh, or not this season, but this full year, I was thinking, uh, or I had mostly uh, uh, road racing goals to try to do a fast 10K, a fast half marathon and a fast marathon. But uh, yeah, you have to adapt, right? So Right. Mm, and you ran Copenhagen. I remember you being a bit disappointed because you didn't get what you were, or you didn't yeah. have a good feeling in your body, which is also, you know, out of your control, really. Yeah. yeah. After now, all Co- that training, Copenhagen was uh, it was not a good race. But I mean, I, 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 my training had done gone very well. Yes. And I, I felt really well prepared. 
But uh, I had some, uh, as a runner, you know that you can get stomach issues right. running. And uh, uh, so that's what happened, basically. So uh, my time uh, time goals, they, uh, I had to let go of them uh, after about half the race. So I've never witnessed you DNF a race. Have you ever DNF? Oh, I have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In... Uh, Oh, you remember uh, in Switzerland when I was oh. there with uh, Andreas? Or, uh, yeah. Mm, okay. I was thinking Italy. Um, it's uh, actually Switzerland, but you 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 run. Uh, uh, it's right on the border from Italy. It's a scenic rail okay. trail race. I DNF that one. Um, but it it's not that many races. No. Okay. I'm I'm trying to think here now. I think it's actually. The only one I DNF'd. But then, yeah, the only one I DNF'd where I said, okay, that's it. I'm I'm quitting. But you're right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> there are this, uh, yeah, there's this other nemesis that I have, the, the uh, Trofeo Kima race in Italy. That's True. the one I was thinking. Those are also DNF's. I've done, I have attempted twice, DNF'd both times, but... Uh, uh, it's because I didn't make make the cut, basically, you know, the time cut. Right. So I didn't I didn't voluntarily uh, step off and, and, I and quit. I didn't yeah. quit. Yeah. But you should. Be so it's happy. a different type of DNF. It's exactly. still a DNF. You should be happy that I remember that because <laughs> it's happened so you know seldom yeah. that that one stuck it out in my head. Because also I see you as such a solid, stable runner. Yeah. I mean, of course, I've seen you tired. I saw you the last 5K of your 100 miles at Kulaman in last year mm. because I had camped up there, remember? Mm. And that's one of the times that I remember, oh, he's tired. Yeah, yeah. You know, but otherwise, I see that you're almost always happy. You're in your zone. Yeah. So I just remember you coming back from Italy and yeah. being really disappointed. I was very disappointed. Because it didn't yeah. go yeah. as planned. And I mean, to be honest, it's also healthy um, to see people, you know who are almost always on top have their bad days because i mean everyone has them mm, true and it's not no everyone wants to see you succeed mm. but it's just like we're human and those times also get us to come back and be stronger for the next yeah. one so um you talked about that you started running about 10 years ago mm. so tell me about it's actually that. 13 years ago now I okay mean, um because it was um, it was uh, the year two thousand. Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, that's when it was. I uh, actually it was. Uh, oh, two thousand ten. You two thousand and ten. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And actually, it was two thousand and nine. I did uh, Lundaloppet, mm -hmm. and that was my first organized. Uh, you know, my first entry into an organized uh, run. 10K Lunda Lopez, mm -hmm. a classical city uh, 10K in Lund. Um, I did that in May, uh, I think 2009 then. And uh, I really got hooked by this whole, uh, you know, the pre-race, the pre-start feeling. And uh, 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 so uh, I immediately decided, oh, I want to do a, I want to do a, um, Half marathon, and that's when they had this uh, Bruloppet, the 10 year anniversary for Bruloppet. So, and that was 2010. Yes. Mm. So, I did that 
the half marathon. And uh, that's also, I loved it, uh, the whole race feeling. So I really got motivated by the race races. Uh, right. Yeah. And, uh, but back then I didn't, uh, I started running then, I think, but uh, I sometimes uh, consider uh, 2013, 12, 13, when I, that's when I started running all year round because mm-hmm. those first couple of years, uh, I was this like like a lot of runners mm-hmm. basically you know in in uh, in March April when uh, it's spring uh, you know you, maybe uh, we should go out and start running a little bit and then somewhere some some at some point during fall <laughs> you just quit running exactly. and uh, the whole winter is just uh, hibernation until yep. the, till the next season yes yeah. but Tomorrow- then, oh sorry go ahead yeah but then uh, I mean I did that learned a lot but I think perhaps it actually was 2010 that I did Lundalopet too. Anyway, from from that first Lundalopet, I've done Lundalopet uh, uh, every year. Um, and uh, and uh, like I said, uh, 2013 was the first year I ran throughout uh, the whole year. Uh, I, you know, through through the whole winter. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Great. I have one of those too, because I was also just like a kind of spring to fall runner for a long time. I I also loved races. That's what kept me motivated. So I would train for things. Then after running a race, I'd take a break for a while. But for me, the cutoff point was always that Idingelopet, which is actually tomorrow. That was always my last race of the season. Season finale. Yeah. And then I don't know what I did the rest of the year, but (laughs) it wasn't until I started running more with guerrillas, actually, like in... 2018 or 19 that I then um, started to run year round. So maybe same for me actually. When I started running with gorilla, because right. I think that was around maybe 14 or something. Yeah. yeah. So I had just started running more seriously then. Right. Yeah. yeah but, uh, so Lunda Lopet, because you do work in Lund, right? I do. Yeah. Was it connected to your work that you decided to run Lunda Lopet? I think it was. Yeah, because uh, I mean I'm at. Um, the, the workplace, uh, Lund University, they have, uh, you get free entrance to that uh, race. So there was a lot of uh, people at work running uh, Lundalopet, yeah. So, yeah. And so I know you don't tend to talk that much about your work and we don't have to go so much into detail, but I think you have a very interesting job because in mm. your work profession, you are, do you want to talk about what you do? Uh, I work with uh, uh, medical research cancer research more specifically i'm a molecular biology by training uh, but uh, uh, i work with breast cancer and, uh, and genomics and uh, gene expression uh, analysis of breast cancer trying to figure out uh, prognostic and uh, treatment predictive uh, uh, markers using using uh, gene expression and genomics data yeah okay because when i you know, in the early days when I met you, I thought it was kind of cool that you were a scientist. Yeah. And I would say, oh, you and you're a scientist, <laughs> yeah. right? And I think you kind of got a kick out of that. So then once I asked you, what does Anna do? And you were like, well, she's a scientist too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I have this thing that I, I, I see you as a very structured runner. Yeah. Um, you're like clockwork to me, like the way that you run the days a week that Mondays you do Truskel, Tuesdays yeah. you do an easy long run and you've always been very, very disciplined. Mm. And I have this thing in my head that part of that is because you're a scientist. Yeah. 
that you must like put your runs out in an Excel spreadsheet. And uh, would you say that that kind of aspect of your personality impacts the way that you plan your running? Yeah, it's funny because uh, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, see myself as a very uh, super organized uh, uh, runner in terms of planning my 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 runs. But I, I realize that I am in a, in a way because I've. I, I do I have had these uh, for the for a couple of years now uh, you know at least uh, planned weekly mileage for uh, for each week for uh, a number of blocks uh, that uh, that could be for you know half a year or even more than that you know figured out with uh, the races that I've planned to do and uh, you know volume blocks like we talked uh, about earlier. Um, uh, leading into those races so yeah i, I mean uh, it's no de- i can't deny it <laughs> i am somewhat organized when it comes to that but i do feel uh, i'm not super organized in the sense that i detail plan my weeks so maybe that's what i'm uh, i'm uh, i'm thinking of when i'm saying it that i'm, I'm not so organized I, I have a weekly mileage but then i i i tend to just take the week as it comes a little bit and just uh, uh, yeah uh, I don't know uh, before the week starts uh, exactly uh, what the runs are going to be and uh, what intervals I'm going to do and stuff like that. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm even that structured, but mm. I would say it's something like what I would probably think. Like mm. if I want to aim to run, especially when I am more disciplined, mm. um, 50K in a week, on Tuesday I'm going to do this, on Thursday I'm going to do intervals, mm. but then and then on Saturday a long run mm. and then see what happens from there. What about with nutrition, especially going into like the kind of race that you're going into next weekend? Do you, you know, pack a certain amount so that you can eat a certain amount of calories every hour that you're out running? For the actual race, yeah. Yes. Yeah. For at least for, um, yeah, for for both actually, uh, say marathon, uh, where nutrition is really important and uh, for ultra where it's, a, it's key, of course, uh, I, I do I do have plans uh, and uh, you know counting on uh, amount of calories that I I would would want to put in each hour throughout the race, but uh, normally those plans I I don't have a good track record of actually sti- <laughs> sticking to my plans for the ultras at least for marathon there it's clockwork I know you know every uh, every twenty minute I take. Uh, I take a gel normally for right. marathons, and uh, I mean I just follow that through. But it's up to then it's a couple of hours, right? Mm-hmm. But for those ultra races, I I, I tend to have a plan. But uh, then after so many hours, uh, uh, I typically deviate a little bit from it. Uh, I think uh, I think I could benefit actually from having a really nailing a nutrition plan for an ultra i think that would uh, uh would maybe up my uh, long ultra game a little bit i know for shonapan for instance i mean for the 50k for ultras up to 50k i managed to keep it together when it comes to nutrition and those are the ultras where i've done best too i mean okay. the shorter ultras if you we, we talk uh, you know um, just pure results uh, in time wise right. and stuff like that for the longer ones uh, after uh, uh, after that that's when it's been uh, i've been struggling a little bit but do you suffer from nausea or anything like that yeah no i mean just um 
uh, yeah, you know, nausea and uh, not feeling like eating and then uh, giving in to that feeling instead of, uh, you know, sticking to uh, your plan that you need to eat. And, and okay. I tried different things for the longer ones. I, I mean, when I first started, I it was, you know, uh, sport drinks and gels and stuff. And then I switched away from that completely and uh, went, uh, uh, you know, in the opposite end of the spectrum having you know pizza and uh, sandwiches with me and uh, and i tried to make mix those two having a little bit of each um uh, yeah the kulamanan race the 100 mile is uh, next friday so it's less than a week now and i haven't really decided on the nutrition yet so okay. <laughs> that speaks yes <laughs> for but I just, I mean, I have this impression that you have this stomach of steel because I remember the first backyard, no, the second backyard, because yeah. you organized the first one. So you didn't actually compete in the first one. The you're, you're thinking of the guerrilla backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah the guerrilla yeah. backyard. Yeah. Um, and then one year, Lisa and I organized yeah. it. And that's the year that you won. And you went over 100 kilometers in that, which I'm sure for you was just a fun day out training because... I remember actually writing down in my notes what you ate. Yeah. <laughs> and I went back to see what it was because I had written it in, in a guerrilla group that we have. And that day for 100K, you had eaten like two burgers, yeah, two yeah. fries, like three <laughs> milkshakes, a couple of Morton gels. And yeah. I was just like, how, how does he do it? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I thought, oh, he must never get sick when he's out running long distances. But I know you would I never have, do yeah. that on, on a real race. Yeah. Plus, no one has access to Burger King, you know, a, a few hundred meters that away. That was very nice, yeah. <laughs> because we actually, uh, we could just, uh, we just asked someone. Uh, I mean, I think it was Jonas and uh, yeah. Yeah, a couple of friends that they volunteered to just uh, go to, uh, to Burger King or McDonald's or yeah. whatever it was and bought burgers. Uh, yes. So that was perfect. Yeah, But I think... The, the backyard ultra is a little bit special too because uh, uh, you don't run at uh, high intensity at all. I mean, for a backyard um, ultra, you you get the, the pacing, the the controlled pacing that you sometimes should try to uh, stick to in a long, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a regular ultra. You get that by default in the in the backyard because you have to. I mean, even if you run too fast, you just need to uh, rest right. and wait until uh, the next full hour uh, when, exactly. you, when you have the next loop going out. So, so then it's much easier to eat uh, whatever. I mean, you're just sitting there right. having a fika and enjoying yourself. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. a natural break. Yeah. It's quite a lot of time to run 6.7 kilometers. Yeah. So yeah. even for someone who's not very fast, yeah. you can run it comfortably and yeah. still have a little bit of time to recover. I remember... Uh, Lars, another running friend from Grilla, we did a uh, backyard the other the other year, uh, and we had actually decided beforehand that uh, okay, we're going to run for uh, for ten hours, uh, that was it, um, and we uh, we uh, we um, intentionally ran you know at a decent pace, so every hour we had forty minutes about of running and twenty minutes of fika. Was so, there beer included? Well, <laughs> <laughs> if Lars was there. If Lars was there, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't have beer, actually. That's, oh. that's too bad. But a lot of fika, yeah. <laughs> so it's a yeah, very social uh, type was of Was that running. the bridge? It was. Yeah, because yeah. mm. I think I went up to, mm. to say hi to you mm. guys that time. I actually ran Kalpbrottet, and then I, 
I took a drive there with Frederick yeah. Shellstrom yeah. and we went to say hi to you. Um, great. Well, I mean, I think we covered a lot. I yeah. mean, I one thing that I could ask you is a little bit more about your background. I mean, what kind of upbringing did you have? Was did you have an active upbringing? Because you just yeah. Well, speaking, I mean, when it comes to sports and stuff, I mean, I've always been very interested in uh, in doing. Um, being active, uh, being out and about, uh, you know, uh, running around, uh, playing out and doing, uh, you know, physical activities, but um, but never, uh, but never actually as an, in in an organized way. So I haven't really been in clubs and stuff or compete or anything. Mm-hmm. So so when I started running uh, back in two thousand and ten, then that was the first. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm over 50 now. So <laughs> I started running uh, when I was, you know, around 40, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, or just before 40. Um, so it was really late uh, getting into that. So, and that's one thing that I, because I really got hooked on the whole competition thing, uh, and it's been very uh, rewarding and fun to be able to. Uh, you know, improve your personal best and so forth mm-hmm. for a, for a pretty pretty long period of times, like these ten right. ten years or so. Um, but um, but now we'll see. Uh, you know, uh, as a senior runner, then uh, we'll see how how long that will continue. So I'm thinking sometimes, uh, thinking back and thinking, well, it would have been fun to have started when you were you know ten years earlier mm-hmm. or even twenty years earlier to see. Uh, uh, what to to reach your full potential, so right? Speak. Yeah, but I think that's also something that is inspiring because you can start when you're you know reaching forty mm. or so and still yeah. really excel. Yeah. I mentioned that to Sarah last time too because Sarah she was always active, but she didn't start running until a bit later as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's the same as me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's really interesting because i mean i've been running since i was a teenager Mm. but i didn't start running more serious or seriously Mm -hmm. you know by my standards um until i started running with guerillas and now i'm seeing myself more at a plateau Mm -hmm. like it takes much more effort to to get better but in the first couple of years when i ran my first ultra and stuff it was just like it felt like the development curve was so steep steep, and that was really fun because you know, you constantly surprise yourself with doing things that you don't really even yeah. realize you're capable of. But I also realized that being 38, I've got some years ahead of me mm. to, you know, go for whatever goals I want to, whatever that will become. Definitely. I just hope that running will always be a part of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have any dream goals besides the time goals that we talked about earlier? Are there any like bucket list races or anything like that that you think you want to go for I'm still I'm still uh, intrigued by this uh, Trofeo Kima uh, that I failed twice uh, it's it's uh, it's one of these uh, it's an ultra it's about 50k but it's uh, a lot of elevation and it's very technical uh, race it's a classical sky mountain race uh, so I still have that as a sort of uh, 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 on the on a wish list, uh, I, I'm realizing that uh, maybe that's why it's intriguing because I've tried twice and failed. So I'm thinking it might not be possible to even finish that race. But, oh, uh, but you're stubborn. Yeah, You've got this yeah, thing in yeah. you that's like I gotta go. Yeah. Is um, I know that you have Italian background. Yeah, my Was that part Italian. of the appeal of that race? 
uh, no, not really, actually. Okay. But uh, but it is. Um, yeah, my mother, she's from Italy, and uh, but not from from the mountains, but uh, from northern Italy too. So uh, that's a, a nice bonus. Yeah, of course. <laughs> for for that race, yeah. And what what is it that you think is your biggest challenge when it comes to that race? Is it the altitude? I think it's the altitude. That's what I. That's my latest uh, take on it. That the, maybe the altitude is. Uh, I mean, that's individual too. How you're affected by right. altitude, and because um, I was, um, I've done some really technical uh, uh, races, similar distance, similar um, level of um, altitude or uh, elevation gain mm. and loss. Right. And with the same, I would say almost the technical uh, you know level uh, with quite a lot of scrambling and stuff like right. that but those have been for instance Tom's sky race Hamburg mm, sky race okay. and also um, uh, in Scotland the Glencoe skyline uh, race but those they you start at sea level okay because it's in Norway so you basically you start at sea level and right. the other one in Scotland you also start basically literally it's a fjord coming in so you're at sea level and then everything is from there. But in, in Italy, you start already at altitude. So whereas the, the, the highest peaks um, in the Tromsø and, uh, and the Glencoe, that's just like 1,500 meters or whatever it mm-hmm. is. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. You're right. never really at high altitude. Right. But in, in Italy, you're almost up at 3,000. And, okay. And for the large part, you're over 2,500 uh, in altitude. So okay. that's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. You must have to, you know, look for some strategies to train yeah, high altitude here in uh, here in Skåne. Skåne. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but thanks so much for yeah. for letting me interview you, Yuan. I think um, your way of training has always been an inspiration for me because yeah. I think that you're just so consistent. I've rarely seen you, you know, go away from your plan and yeah. I think and then at the same time I know that if I want to see you I can meet you where you are I know okay well on a Wednesday he's probably out just doing an easy run so if I write to him that day he might actually be available to yeah, meet yeah. up <laughs> but Definitely. not on a not on a guerrilla meal forget that because you'll be leaving me in your dust <laughs> but um yeah thank you very much it's been fun and uh, good luck at Kulamanen thank you and very I'll much. see you out on the course yeah thank you